Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Fabulous fifth hour on a uh, lively Thursday morning, four hours of conversations about the Cowboys. Organizations doing it right and the Cowboys running in place. Pending issues with Dak Prescott and their salary cap, but Mike McCarthy will stay with full support of Jerry Jones. Well, can't say full support because if they had full support, they'd give him a new contract. That's true. That's not happening. He's going into the final year of his five-year deal. Same thing Jerry did with Jason Garrett, which didn't work out very good. Yep, you're right about that. Lame duck and a coach. I don't know how often that's worked out. Doesn't maybe maybe work. it has, though, because when you lame duck a coach, I think you already understand that mm, they're on the hot seat. Well, look, if they, I'll say this as I said to start the 9 o'clock hour. If this deal idea, because Jerry should fire himself and hire general manager, that's not happening. But vis-a-vis that, if this announcement that they're not going to give him a new contract, they didn't say that, but they have full support, but they haven't announced an extension for, for Mike McCarthy. If this follows that they're not going to extend Dak and they're going to eat the salary cap and deal with it, then that might be a good course of action as far as, in my opinion. But, you know, different people can have different opinions. I don't think extending Dak five or six more years so you can – make the, the salary cap more palatable is a good idea. At this point, you're only locked into him for mm. two difficult years. Yeah. And while that's happening, you can start – is it Trey Lance? Could it be Trey Lance? Is there a quarterback you can draft? Can you get, uh, you know, in the mix for the future? Because, again, I, you say which one about Dak Prescott. He's got eight years to lead you on a long playoff run. He has not. Mm-hmm. That's, that's plenty of time. It is. And yeah. he's had different coaches. They've had different offensive philosophies. They've had different, you know – ideas of, of moving the football, and his, his play in the playoffs has been consistently underwhelming, which is why the Alex Smith comparison is there, why the uh, Kirk Cousins in, you know, you know, comparisons always been made. And those aren't bad guys. Those aren't bad quarterbacks. Those are good players. They are good players. But the NFL's about, I mean, the, the NFL playoffs are about elevating, players who can elevate the team, win a game, uh, a coach who with a scheme and a game plan, Rod, can win you a game. Cowboys have neither at this point. A coach or a quarterback who can elevate come playoff time the way Kyle Shanahan and a game plan can elevate, the way Matt LaFleur uh, with a young quarterback just elevated uh, and, and, and helped deliver a great game plan against Dan Quinn's defense. Um, Josh Allen can put a team on his back and carry him uh, to playoff wins. Patrick Mahomes, obviously. Lamar Jackson, he, they can do these things, right? Uh, the Cowboys don't have either of those. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I mean, it's, like I said, we beat this dead horse <laughs> all morning long, but uh, and the Cowboys are sticking with Mike McCarthy because – they don't necessarily have a plan of action going forward. They don't know what to do. If they move on from Mike McCarthy, what do you do about Dak Prescott's trajectory and his development? Do you have a plan for that? If you don't, then you do stick with Mike McCarthy. And the Cowboys don't have a plan for that because their plan to maximize Dak was to let Mike McCarthy call the plays, the Texas offense, which worked, by the way, until they got to the playoffs and then – uh, the plan imploded. So I guess Jerry's just going to double down on it. Guys, this is the five-year window, right? This will be his fifth year. He'll be a lame duck coach. No quarterback uh, head coach combination has ever won their first Super Bowl together outside of that, that five-year window. It just does not happen. If you get to that five-year window, you got to change either the head coach or you got to change the quarterback. The Ravens are right there. That's why the Ravens' ascent makes perfect sense to me. I told you guys before the season started, I said this is a big year for the Ravens because Lamar Jackson is at like five, a little over five years. Remember, he's, he didn't start till midway through his rookie year. 
So if you don't count that, then you're right at the five-year window. And if you count that a whole year as a starting quarterback, which is tough to do, then you're right beyond the five-year window. My point is you're right there at it. And if the Ravens – and I think the Ravens extended their five-year window because they brought in Todd Munkin. Offensive brought in Todd Munkin, changed the offense, went from being a heavy personnel offense where they were run-based in a run-centric offense to being now a spread offense where they're spreading things out more running, more the air raid principles, pace and space. So it's a different offense than Lamar Jackson's ever played in. So he's going to win the MVP this year, but it'll be in two different offenses. He run it with Greg Roman as a running quarterback, and then he won it now with Todd Munkin as essentially a pass-first quarterback. And so their their window is a little I think they get they get a little bit more of an extension on their window. Now I do think if they don't win it this year, then maybe you start to see, you know, their their uh their construction, their blueprint break down a little bit. Said the same thing about the Bills. This is why it's a big year for the Bills. And what the Bills do? Sean McDermott's now calling their defensive plays, change defensive coordinators. They fired their offensive coordinator. When you get to that five-year window right at it, you better be making some drastic changes unless you're changing the head coach and the quarterback. But if you're going to keep both of those things in your five, in, in, in year five, into that five-year window, there got to be some changes. It's got to be. Otherwise, regression is inevitable. It's imminent. That's well, we'll the, the NFL's designed like that, folks. That's, that's the salary cap. The NFL's designed for five-year windows. That's it. After that, what the Patriots did, that's the exception to the rule. You don't get that unless your quarterback is the GOAT and your, t- and your quarterback is also taking a lot of pay cuts, which Tom Brady did too. Right? Uh, so if you got the GOAT and you got a quarterback willing to take a lot of pay cuts, maybe you can extend your window. But if you don't, and the GOAT as a head coach too, but if you don't, your window is going to be five years. And after that, it's going to break down. Speaking of that GOAT, there's mm. reports this morning that uh, Bill Belichick is going back to Atlanta for a second interview and according to Jeff Jones of uh, CBS Sports he says the first interview was just a sit down first place to face to face with Arthur Blank he's now coming back to meet with uh, Blank and the executive you know upper ups of the uh, Falcons yeah. the Rich oh, yeah. McKay's um, Tony Fontenot the uh, general manager or Terry Fontenot so well we'll see keep an eye on Bill Belichick in Atlanta obviously Dallas not a spot Philadelphia would be one we haven't heard on Nick Sirianni Chargers should they be interested in Belichick I think they're centered around Harbaugh. I think they really want Jim Harbaugh no, there. Just, Harbaugh's good, but, you know, I mean, unless they know they can get him, they should be interviewing they should too. all candidates. Agreed, agreed. Kind of uh, 100% true. Yeah. Um, by That's the way, kind of strange. By the way, we'll play some more audio coming up from uh, on the heels of who said that. I know you had a piece of audio, Rod. Then we'll get into the Rodney Terry story. But also, did you hear uh, Jerry? I'll play this for you. Jerry Jones confirming oh, yeah. that in 1996, Bill Belichick hit him up for a job. Yes, I've heard this story. <laughs> Jerry Jones confirming, yeah. not to make Cowboys fans more miserable, but in 1996, yeah. after Jimmy Johnson had left and Barry Switzer had left, yeah. um, Jerry Jones will tell the story that, that they were on a ski slope. Mm-hmm. And Bill Belichick, who had been fired in Cleveland, told him, hey, man, I'm available. Come, come, come get me. Come get me. <laughs> and he didn't. He didn't. He hired Dave Campo. Yeah. Or Chan Gailey, one of the two. Yeah. And it's crazy because, you know, he, he, I know he knew a lot about Belichick because he's a Parcells disciple. That's right. So, yeah. you know, it, 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 everybody knew that Belichick knew what he's doing on defense. So, I guess that's, at the time, I, guess I brought this up, he was coming off what was considered a failed experiment. Well, that was, look at that coaching staff he had in Cleveland. Ooh, yeah, he, he, loaded. It was only a matter of time he'd get it right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and look, I mean, that's I know that. I mean, but this was. I mean, mm-hmm. if ego is the enemy and Jerry's ego is massive, in 1996 it was at its most massive. Yeah, he wouldn't have considered no Belichick. And that honestly, was, that was a come on. I, I'm not hire you. I'm not mad at him for that. I mean, he couldn't have foreseen, foreseen that. No, Who could not have at all. It? Not at all. It's just one of those. Yeah. Rub rub salt in the wound a little bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, but, but a lot of people wanted. Yeah, that time I'm trying to think of who would have been a great candidate then, other than Campo. Because he just wanted a puppet. At that yeah, point. no, I'm trying to think of who would have been a viable, a better candidate at that time. It's a long way. Of well, that was Chan Gailey was the first, and then then Campo followed Gailey. <laughs> this was after Switzer. Because Chan Gailey was back to back puppets, huh? Back to back. Where did back-to-back. Gailey come from? Uh, he was offensive, offensive coordinator. He was an right? offensive mind at the time, and yeah, that's because that's where and Troy Aikman was still playing. So, so, so Jerry was looking for mm. some for an offensive guy to keep the offense going. Um, and again, he, he was in full puppet mode at that point. Full yeah. puppet mode. He wanted to run Switzer, the team. Switzer was one who would yeah. allow him to do it, and then because Jimmy wouldn't, that's why they got divorced. He's like, get out of this damn war room. Get out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but that, that that was for the worst years. The Switzer into into Gailey into Campo, which led to Parcells. Yep. Uh, but they were really Then he slipped back into it with Phillips and Garrett. Yeah, though. he did. He did. Yeah, this is a cycle. You know, you'll, you'll, history of the Cowboys, you'll, you'll see it. This is a cycle, 100%. And I think we're to the pivot point where Jerry's got to do something or the fan base may – I know it's America's team, but the, the, they're, they're at their wit's end. They're, they're, you'll hear more Cowboys fans saying things like, die, that I'm done. Because, you know, we've tried to tell them, but they, they, they always believe the hope. Uh, I get I, it. I'm, I'm back. I stand with Coach Mike. All right, good. You're back. You're back. I, uh, right, the more and more I thought Mac. about it, you know, I, I, was, I, I agreed with Rod. I thought they were going to keep him, and it's, you know, it's the – Well, to Rod's point, he was right on. If you don't fire him immediately, you're, if you sit down and talk, you're not going to fire him. No. Unless he had said something about your mom or something. You know, yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> you, Unless he said something really you dumb. Watch, you watched that game, and you knew what the expectations were going into this season, and you watched that game. You get blown out by the youngest team in the playoffs, first-year starting quarterback, and you were at home – and you have nine all pros on your roster more than any team in the league, and you thought, I'll keep them. If you didn't, if you want, if you don't want to make a change right after that, watching it, then you were not going to make a change. You're going to find a reason to, find, to keep them. You find the reason to keep them. And again, by the way, Ty, since you're back on, are you back on? What side are you on? Extend Dak or no? I know you've been pretty consistent about this, but has that stayed certain? Does just eat the cap, or what do you do? I I think you can work around it. There's other ways to free up some cap space besides. Extending them, I'd, I'd prefer them not dollar. to. To I, I, another five years of Dak is not not going to get us anywhere, in my opinion. I think yeah. you can cut Michael Gallup. I think that's like eleven million frees up. Yeah, you, that's right. Well, I don't keep know. Dak and, and keep him on this contract. You're going to have to cut a lot of people. Let's just be fair about that. Yeah, just to keep on having good drafts, and I mean it. Yeah, because yeah, because next year when this when his cap number is thirty six ish, you can get out from under that. You can cut him at that point. Yeah, you can. That's cause, not, that's cause not cause dead money yet. Because yeah. the next year it's done. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have to go through a year of. Because if they keep Dak to where I'm suggesting, they're going to have to cut a lot of people and let a lot of people go and not resign. They have 19 significant free agents. Uh, you won't have the money to, to sign those guys. So it's going to be hope a, they, a lean They have lean some of those situation. capologists that they have in Philadelphia where they seem to you know sign everybody <laughs> and keep everybody in trade. Well, remember, Jalen just got his new deal. This is the back end of that Dak deal. This is why this is coming to home to roost. Yeah. This is the back of it. And you're going to have to restructure it or eat it. One of the two. And this is why somebody said in Atlanta, that's what they did with Matt Ryan. They just they weren't going to stretch it again. Um, they, they had their shot at the Super Bowl, didn't get it, and then Ryan was starting to show regression. So they weren't. They just ate it. They ate it, and they went real, real lean, and now they're going to try to go get Bill Belichick with some young talent, and we'll see if that happens. All right. That's uh, crazy. I can't believe he's going to draft him a young quarterback. Don't let Bill Belichick draft that quarterback. You can't let him do that. I'll let Terry Fontenot and Rich McKay, but uh, yeah, I say let that, them go. Let them do it. Let them do it, but don't let Belichick come in and be like, he wants that guy because Belichick the GM. Well, that's the one guy. thing I would say for the GOAT, right? Bill Belichick comes in with l- less power than you think. Because of the way it ended in New England, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to tell him, man, no, no, no. We, yeah. we know you're the GOAT. We want you. We're coaching, but we'll handle 
the roster. Well, you want your input. I think you're right. Well, we're going to take. We're going. I'm. You know, Rich McKay, Terry Fontenot, Arthur Blank. They're going to make sure they've got some some safe safe traps in there to not let him get full control of the roster. Yeah. No, you're right. All right, Rod, you had some other sound you wanted to play in uh, Who Said That? Let's uh, clean that eye. I've got a good one, too, that I think leads to a new conversation. We will get into the Rodney Terry thing and go behind uh, the burn orange curtain one more time, but what are we thinking? Uh, well, we can play. I saw, Ty, I sent you a, a, a couple of them. Um, if you want to just dial one up, we can uh, finish off Who Said That? Play style at all or, or you come no, up with the way That's how we play football here. Just keep your head up see what you hit. You know, that, that's, that'll always be what I tell Kirby. You know, just keep your eyes up so you don't hit on the crown of your helmet. And, uh, you know, you hit a spine, you know, you mess yourself up there. Just see what you hit. Um, but, no, I mean, we're, he's going for the thigh board and, and uh, you know, staying away from the head. And, uh, you know, we're – that's how we play defense here. We're not dirty. It's just, you know, we're, we hit. Play style. Uh, that oh, so who was that? I'm sure you know. Yeah, that was uh, Dan Campbell again, the dude. Yeah, he was talking about the uh, play where Taylor Higby tore his ACL and MCL um, in that in that game versus the Detroit Lions, the Rams versus the Detroit Lions, and Matthew Stafford on that play, he tells the Lions safety Kirby Joseph, who they're referring to on that hit, that uh, that's a good hit, man, but you're dirty as AF, <laughs> and you know it. It's been on tape. I seen it. And a lot of people were saying that that hit might have been dirty. Uh, but even Matthew Stafford said the hit was clean. He just wanted to confront him. I guess he was just upset that he hurt his, his, his tight end. Yeah, it was one of those. He did go for the hit, but he ended up getting him right as he planted the foot. And I, I feel bad for defensive backs. You were a defensive back, Rod. You can't hit up high. No. You got to go low. And you can't hit hard. And you, and you can't hit hard. <laughs> can't hit real hard. Yeah, that's yeah. not like <laughs> conduct. Uh, and so sometimes the timing's going to be off. I mean, and be bad. I mean, it's just you know, the knee was the foot was planting as he was coming, and it just mm-hmm. it looked dirty on replay. But it's just one of those bang bang plays. I yeah, mean, exactly. I mean, it's terrible. I mean, it would remind you a little bit. Remember the Blaine Irby injury for the Longhorns back oh, in the day? Oh yeah, I remember that one. And that one, that, that player went real low. He did go low. He was right at the knees. Yeah, that was almost – that was a targeted shot. Uh, this one was, you know, thigh board is a good way to put it. But, yeah, and Dan Campbell's a player, man, He's and he's got a staff full of players. No, I get and it. And that's a player code. You don't well, try and, to hurt guys. And there's audio out there of uh, Matt Stafford mic'd up going after the, the guy, talking about, I see you on film, you're dirty, you're yeah. dirty. He might have dirty hits on film, but I don't know that that one you can call dirty. That's a – it's tough for a defensive back to know where to hit a guy these days and how you can hit a guy these days in a, in a bang-bang situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so uh, – let me play this one for you. This one's uh, this is the Jerry Jones audio, him confirming that uh, while Barry Switzer was still his coach, but knew it was a short term. Here's uh, wait, they, wait, this wait. is Jerry Jones. Did you, did you just send me this? No, I sent it uh, earlier yesterday. It's in there on the uh, on the messages sent back during the day yesterday uh, with Jerry Jones. But uh, let me know when you find that tie, and then we'll we'll switch some gears, talk some Rodney Terry. But there's good stuff coming in uh, this morning. Uh, let me know when you got a tie. Uh, this says Rodney E. Here's the real deal. Dak's a solid quarterback, but in today's game, you cannot play a solid quarterback that high of a percentage of your cap. It won't work. Yeah, I mean, you're you paying him elite it. money. Yep. And it, quite honestly, he, when it matters most, he hasn't played elite football, and that's the long in the end. Because again, the Cowboys have a bigger problem, which is Jerry Jones. But at this point, the that's the macro problem. The micro problem is Dak. Yeah. Is not elite, and um, you and hope you know that would, now. And you hoped he would develop into that, and it just hasn't. And uh, 
You know, some people said, don't, don't trust it, don't do it on the first deal. But as you've always pointed out, they never had a plan of succession. They never had a plan if it didn't work out for Dak mm-hmm. to be able to go a different direction and not sign him to the original long-term contract that put him into the, uh, the rarefied air of quarterbacks. Uh, all things combined for where the Cowboys are right now. Here is uh, Jerry Jones. This is that, just to clean up that conversation about uh, 1996. I'll never forget I was skiing. After the season was over, somebody bumps up against me a few times, and I turn around, and it was Bill. He no longer had a job. He had been with Cleveland, and they'd let him go up there. He said, boy, listen, I can coach. said, if you ever get get an opportunity, uh, don't don't forget about me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't forget about me. You forgot about him. Yeah, I mean, but that was before Belichick became the GOAT. Nobody knew at that time. And would he have been the right coach for the Cowboys in that sense? Like, I don't know. Because they would have been better than – Cowboys wouldn't have drafted Brady. Maybe they would have. I don't know. Cowboys, uh, well, they, they, he would have been better than Chan Gailey or, or Dave no Campo. No Dave Campo. That's totally, all I'll say. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, that would be my answer. No doubt about <laughs> it. No, totally agree. Yeah, yeah. No argument for me here on that one. Yeah. Uh, and we'll keep an eye on the Belichick to Atlanta conversation. Yeah, apparently Joe Cena Anderson says she thinks it's a done deal. Ooh. And she's been close on it. She was the first one I seen that reported that the Falcons had interest in Belichick. And that was – Right after Belichick, like even when they were uh, rumored that they might part ways with Belichick, she said the Falcons would be interested. So he wasn't even fired yet. So she's probably been, I think, the uh, she's been most accurate on that, or at least the first on it. And she's now reporting that he's expected to be the next head coach. He ain't going to be the coach of the Eagles, I can tell you that much. Well, that's good. Now, Cowboy fans are you know, thankful for that. Yeah. But Mike Vrabel's still out there, guys. And uh, oh, Mike Vrabel doesn't fit Philly either. Right. Oh, he fits Philly to a T as far oh. as, you know, punch in the face. He's, he's, I mean, he is a tough dude. He would bring toughness. He is a tough dude, and now Philly's you, tough. And you'd have to admit, And not Sirianni fake tough. Well, I would say this. It would scare me if I'm a Cowboys fan if if Mike Vrabel were to go to Philadelphia and bring Arthur Smith back to call the plays and run and work with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. That would be concerning to me. I know Falcon fans were good, all, all too happy to get rid of Arthur Smith. That would be But when, 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 when those two are together at Tennessee is the best Ryan Tannehill ever played. I agree with that. Um, so, and obviously, if you're coming to Philly, you're trying to get, you're trying to maximize a really talented, underachieving roster this mm-hmm. year, and you're trying to do get the most out of Jalen Hurts. Because that'd be the most best quarterback that Vrabel has had too. Don't, oh, yeah. don't you think Vrabel want to go somewhere where he has control over personnel though? Or at no, least, he I never mean, had that in Tennessee. Don't you think he wants that though? That's part of the reason. I don't think he wants. I just think he wants a GM that's not going to sabotage his 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 team yeah. by trading away their best player like he had AJ Brown without telling them. Yeah, he he, he went to Tennessee with. Uh, you know, the, who was the guy from, from the Patriots? Uh, the guy from the Patriots, yeah. and they were kind of collaborative. Yeah. And then they got a, they got south they of got the A.J. Brown trade. But uh, Vrabel in Philadelphia would scare me if I'm in the NFC. I think Mike Vrabel is that kind of coach. They've got a good roster. It's about maximizing and getting those guys to play with passion and toughness and getting them back to where they were and maybe get rid of Nick Sirianni. But we'll see. Uh, Josini Anderson now reporting that maybe the Belichick thing done. And the only thing I know I said was Arthur Brank's not, not firing Arthur Smith to hire a coordinator. This is this is going to be a name. Yeah, Arthur Blank at 81 years old is going to hire a, a big name coach. I agree. With uh, that. And they interviewed Jim Harbaugh. They interviewed Bill Belichick. They're not hiring, even though these hotshot coordinators can work. Uh, he is too old, I think, to go there. I think he's looking for a name that he can, you know. I tried. I tried. Yeah. If it doesn't work, I tried. I went and got the best coach that was on the market. Uh, and we have young talent. We'll work to get a quarterback together. But I can see why that would, would fit. And as Bill Belichick reportedly has said, he wants a young, underachieving roster that's kind of built and just needs a needs tip a, over the – And a quarterback, I guess, to tip and, over. <laughs> and, and he's paying attention because it's a division that's very wide open. 
Yes, it is. Because we, cause we just talked about the Saints and Mickey Loomis. They are in salary cap jail. They're going to take major steps back this offseason in New Orleans to try to get under the cap. Uh, Carolina is still rebuilding. And Tampa Bay, you know, they're the biggest threat at this point in that division to me. Yeah, because they got a quarterback. Because they got a quarterback. The quarterback is half the damn battle. You get a quarterback, and then you get a contender. All right, let's hear this uh, uh, one other piece of sound, because this will change directions. Or do you want to get in the Rodney Terry thing, Rod? Where, where do you like to go here? Because I have this piece um, from Charles Barkley. We can do Rodney Terry in, behind the Burnham's curtain. Let's do that next. coming up, because yeah. that's gone. That's become a national story. Yeah, we need we to pick it back then. up for folks here late in the show that are just tuning in and saw the basketball game last night and were disappointed, but maybe didn't see the after-game yeah. fireworks that mm-hmm. went on. But uh, I wanted to play this because this is a topic we haven't talked about. It's NBA-related. But I don't know. I'm sure you've seen it, Rod and folks. But, you know, over the weekend, they, they paid tribute in Chicago to the Bulls teams of the 90s. Yeah. And it was a big event in Chicago. Like, uh, Steve, they did it because they were playing Golden State. And it was going to be a big crowd. And Steve Kerr was coming back. So it coincided with Kerr playing his one game in Chicago this year. Okay. So there's an anniversary of their, I think, one of their first championships. So it was, they were going to pay tribute. So they brought a lot. And, you know, they invited Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and, and Rodman to come back. They didn't come. Jordan sent a recorded message. Uh, and, but then <laughs> the biggest problem that happened is that, that Jerry Krause, who was the general manager who, and the architect of those teams, he, uh, you know, he's dead. He passed away. So his white widow was there with the family to be honored for the success of the 90s. Uh, she was booed mercilessly by the crowd, which led a lot of people to think like Charles Barkley does. Can you play this right here, Rod? I mean, Ty, this is good stuff from Charles Barkley. Uh, he said this earlier in the week when they had that big double header on TNT. Uh, first time we've seen Barkley since that event over the weekend that did not go well for the Bulls organization. I want, I want to be very careful here because – you know, Chicago, I love that city, but what happened in Chicago the other night was a disgrace. It was a flat-out disgrace. The booing of Jerry Krause, the his, late Jerry Krause. The, the booing of his having that, that his wife cry like that, that was wrong on so many levels. Michael and Scotty and Dennis not showing up, that was wrong. It was a complete disgrace to the legacy of the Chicago Bulls. They are a, they've always been a great, great organization. But to, 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 for that thing to go down like that, not to have the greatest player in your organization there and won six championships and Dennis and Scotty and first of all, they, I don't even know why you would put a hundred guys in the ring of honor anyway. That's just stupid. But what those fans did to Mrs. Krause, that was not cool. And we as we, they, they owe that lady, everybody involved that owe that lady an apology. Whether you like Jerry Krause or not, that man's dead. Rest in peace. His wife is there. And y'all made that lady cry, and that was total BS. Wife, kids, grandkids. Yeah, that was wrong, Very man. Bad. To have that lady crying like that, that hurt my heart watching that, that thing. That was. That was painful. And, and yeah, that's not an indictment of all Chicago fans by any means, but those who Boot. chose to yes. go that way. Yeah, I'm with you. And. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, and uh, Jerry Krause, you, you know, we know that the uh, yeah. the Last Dance documentary had full Michael Jordan, you know, approval, right? He had all the <laughs> the final rights to it, and it didn't paint Jerry Krause in a very good light. But he was the architect of the team that won six championships. Yeah, and might have won more if Jordan hadn't left to go play baseball. I mean, you you can't you can hate the guy because at the end of the day, if you remember the Last Dance, they hated him because he he was ready to move on from. Yeah, he felt like it was time break up the band, and it probably was. But then they won six championships, three in a row twice. They keep, you know, fans. Fans want to keep it going. 
as long as they can. And I understand he was a very unlikable guy, and he was he looked like a tub of goo. <laughs> but man, it's hard to I mean. You, there's organizations and fans that would I mean you, you'd beg for half of that, a third of that success, and you would cheer the guy. But yes, to, to, okay, it's one thing to not and hold resentment to Jerry Krause. What are you booing his wife for? And the grandkids are there. It's like, come on, y'all. Because they're fans. Yes. The well, it's not wrong to criticize it when it happens. That's, no, I That's agree. classless. It is classless, but, I mean, we've seen that from fans of all, well, now <laughs> of all different sports and all, all types of teams. I mean, they, they've had – I'm, I'm not shocked by it. It is appalling and it's disrespectful and it's offensive, but I'm not surprised. They're fans. They do all kind of stuff like that. Chicago fans who I've always liked, and they're putting themselves into Philadelphia territory now, booing Santa Claus, booing old ladies, old widows. Yeah. Come on, man. Have some respect. Yeah. I mean, CB just sent us uh, that story about Matthew Stafford's wife saying the Lions fans booed their kids and left them in tears. <laughs> You're booing the kids. <laughs> not just Matthew Stafford, the kids. New fans, are, they're fanatics. They are fanatics. They are not thinking rationally. And that's why, hey, man, that's why we are in this business. Passion, baby. Sometimes passion can lead to, like you said, unreasonable behavior. I think I've seen our politics we got going on these days. Too. There you a little, go. A little over the top. Come on, man. A little over the top. Yes, there All you right, go. We'll, we'll come back. When we do, Rod will take us behind the burn orange curtain. We will address the Rodney Terry situation once again. Obviously, this team is not going in a good direction. We had the bullish or BS topic earlier. Do they, are, they, are they a tournament team? And right now, they are not. An NCAA tournament team. They got a lot to prove, and last night was pretty ugly. We'll get back to all of it. Behind the BOC, coming back, hook them up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. All right, Rod, fun show today. We've talked about uh, popcorn shrimp gone wrong. They're all-you-can-eat shrimp oh, and the Red Lobster. Mm-hmm. Also, good. Applebee's with an offer, 200 buck card. Gets you 30 bucks off every trip in for 52 trips. Ty's looking into it. Ty is looking into it. But somebody did text us and say that, because uh, we had the debate about Applebee's. I, don't, I haven't been to an Applebee's except for that night of the wedding in East Texas that uh, <laughs> I didn't eat anything. End we up just being, had a couple uh, drinks and watched the uh, – that was where I watched Colorado play uh, Colorado State in that great overtime game. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, the, the trash talk between Norvell and Dion. Oh, yeah, place I remember was that. Popping, that man. was hopping. Uh, but so Applebee's to compared to Chili's is is Walmart compared to Target. Like this like <laughs> Chili's a little upgrade over Applebee's. They say and this is what the listeners say. I disagree. Then, you know, Target's a little Target, as my wife calls it, a little nicer than Walmart. It's nicer, but I don't know if Target has more selection than Walmart. Yeah, but they have nicer brands of clothes. Like if you're trying to buy clothes, I don't buy clothes from Walmart. No, or Target. Here, I, no. here's a better one. I think HEB <laughs> the Central Market. Ooh. Well, that's – But I, I like H-E-B. Or, uh, H-E-B is better than Central Market to me. Just what? Because Central, yeah, because Central Market's got stuff that I don't need. That's Hasidity. I don't need that stuff. That's all luxury stuff that I – It's about H-E-B is about what I need, and Central Market's about what I want. Or actually like, don't want. Yeah, like you don't you – A don't, bunch of stuff I don't want. I get, I get into Whole Foods, Whole Paycheck Foods, and I'm yeah, like, oh, what you is all Yeah, you don't need all that stuff in Whole Foods or Central <laughs> Market. No, no, stuff in H-E-B, you need it, man. And they're giving you value and stuff you need. You get coupons for Listen, H-E-B. Move to a place right where – Have oh, an H-E-B man. for a while, then move to a place where they don't have an H-E-B. Oh. oh. Like in Dallas? Yeah, brutal. Dallas, They yeah, just started popping up in Dallas. But you know, my daughter lives up there, and she's like, well, I need my Tom H-E-B. Tom Thumb and Randall's. It's not even close. It's a luxury. Yeah, man. It's no. like when you leave in there, you can't get Whataburger. No. Nah. Come on, man. Yeah, H-E-B. I'm sorry, man. I'll take H-E-B. I got, over I got relatives that, man, they, they come here and they want to – I'm trying to take them to a nice restaurant. My brother, and they're like, we want to go to Whataburger. Yeah. 
Give me some breakfast tacos and let's go to Whataburger. I ain't mad at that. <laughs> and think about HEB is that the, 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 they keep building them nicer and nicer. They're starting to have some of the same, like, features as those Whole Foods. Like, you got, like, restaurants in them now, like, barbecue oh, boutiques, spaces. Boutiques, boutiques Yeah, they're doing all these really cool stuff in, in the brand new they're, they're keeping what they're good at, though, too. Yeah, You still man. get everything you want. Man, I'm sorry. I take H-E-B all day. Well, remember, H-E-B has their own brand of, like, they make their own food. So you can buy the H-E-B oh, brand. Well, Central Market and H-E-B are the same company, right? Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are, but one is for the bougie people well okay yeah. i only go to central market when i if, if i'm cooking because i'll get my steaks and chicken and stuff at h-e-b because it's almost the same thing but Maybe they do have a little bit of a higher like a more of a prime selection of steaks and such you know what I, oh i'm sure yeah the only, yeah, only time course. i go to central market and it's the one right there in westgate i'm buying flowers fresh flowers for like oh, they have a really good selection a great of flowers. selection of flowers too so if you're they looking do. to go a little That's fair and you don't want to go to the, to the flower shop like the florist. Oh hell no! Where they get they get you. It's too overpriced. Yeah, because you can still make. You can go. You can you can create your own yeah. bouquet, right? Mm-hmm. And they've got some really nice flowers there at Central oh, yeah. Market. But that's as far as I go. I don't go back in there to where it's. I can't even. I get confused. By all the bougie stuff like, back what there. What is all like, this all stuff? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even recognize the brand. That's happened. I did notice one thing about H E B because I live less like probably. 0.25 miles away from an H E B, and then I go to the one that the newer one that's off Mueller. That's like. Yeah, yeah. Eight minutes away from my house because the one that's across the street doesn't have like half the stuff that this that new. Well, the one that's across the street, I know where you live. That's like one of the early ones. That's one of the first ones. Oh yeah, those early ones are terrible. That's like that one off of even dog food and cat food because I I mean I get my dog food at Callahan's. Shout out, but my for for my cat I I get a you know some nice indoor cat cat food because cat food's generally pretty cheap, so I I get the nice stuff as well for my dogs at Callahan's, but they don't have it. They only have like cheap cat food and dog food at this HEB. It's it's very disappointing. Oh, they need to do better then. No, some HEBs are just too old. Like that one off Manchac and Slaughter right there. It should be one of my HEBs back when I lived close there. Man, it's old. And the old ones, they just remember the one off Riverside used to be really old and they redid it. Yeah. And they're redoing the one now off of uh, was that Old Torf in uh, Congress right yeah, there? Yeah, oh, yeah. They're redoing that. That was going to be nice. Well, well they have, nice, they have that's, a, that's a high rent district. The temporary yeah. one uh, that's across the street that's in like the strip mall. Yeah. <laughs> you, have you been in there? I have been in that one. I will tell you. <laughs> it's so weird. You go through like sliding glass doors. It's like, it's all, it's like completely. It's like an old CVS or something, oh, right? no, yeah. yeah. Like there's no aisles. Like it's all, <laughs> I, I don't know what the word, horizontal, I guess would be. Like, yeah. It's, it's very strange. No, it's very freaky. I've been in that one too. This is uh, CB, all the there in Seattle saying I miss my HEB. Yeah, oh, see. yeah. Now listen, when I was first at St. Edwards, that HEB you're talking about at Old Torf and Congress mm-hmm. that they're redoing. Oh, yeah. That place was a mess. That's where we used to go to grocery shop. I was at St. Edwards. It's right oh, there across man. from like Gardner Betts, the juvenile yeah. detention center. We that's we'd go there in the evenings. We go there at night when it wasn't crowded to get some food. Holy cow, man! It's scary. You, <laughs> we saw some stuff. Oh yeah, just like in the parking lot and stuff. Right it, in it parking lot. Yeah, yeah, around it. Yeah, yeah. It was comedy. That, uh, it was yeah. kind of scary. That area's changed a lot now. It that, has. Yeah, yeah. It has. But to Ty's point, Ty, I, Ty, you live east. So here's what I would say: You're the Westlake guy. I grew up in Westlake. Who's trying to buy dog food? You live east now. Okay, and look, grocery stores are going to carry what people are buying in that area. Yes, in yeah. the area they're in. Yeah, that there's I mean, you know the, the the vendors try to come in and get shelf space. He's right about that. And they're but they're yeah. they're not going to keep your expensive dog food if it's not selling. They're it's just good. not. Yep. They're going to put the stuff that sells. You're right about on that. the shelf. Because there's a true. there's a HEB up north by cons- where my wife works, and it's the biggest kosher. Yes, H-E-B. 100%. Because that, that apparently like they, a lot of people buy kosher stuff there. That's right. So they keep it on the shelves. Yeah, yeah you're going to sell what the consumer's buying. Yeah, I will true. say and one to thing. To the price point that they can afford and that they're going to spend. Yeah. 
one thing about the the crappier HEB that's close to my house, the customer service there is is, is amazing. It's better than the awesome. other one. Miss Miss, awesome. Miss Belinda, she she's the awesome. manager there. She knows my she knows me by name. She knows everybody. Remember there it's was the, the lady there was the lady great. out of the original one in Oak Hill that worked there for like forty years and she was like a legend and now they got the brand new one out near Oak Hill. Yeah. Uh, the you know the customer service the, the one on Allendale right there by uh, Lamar and Thirty Fifth. That's an old school. That might be one of the one of the first couple. The people there are great. Yeah. I haven't done radio remotes there, Ron. The people there are awesome. The worse your HEB is, yeah, I agree, the better the customer service. It's just like a, a girl you meet on 6th Street, right? If she's a 6, then she better have a great personality. She better, <laughs> she better be driving some nice jokes and stuff. But if she's a 9 or a 10, her personality has got to be that great. She ain't got to be that funny. <laughs> I'll deal with your ugly person, your ugly personality when you're a smoking hot 9 or a 10. Same thing with your HEB. You get a great HEB, customer service, not so great. It's okay. Because uh, look how great the AGV is. It's so beautiful and attractive. It's, Same thing. If you can find both, that's a unicorn. Now, yes. <laughs> if you find both, then you, that's your HGB for life. <laughs> Marry that HGB, damn it. You'll buy a house near that HGB. <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> You're damn right. That's true. I agree with that 100%. Oh, man, how are the schools running? doesn't matter. How's doesn't the HGB? Yeah, HGB is right. great. Oh, I used, to, I used to, when we used to do HGB remotes, I would rank all the HGBs uh, based on the HGBs we went to, and I would use a, a, a cumulative formula, right? Different variables. And my, my, that probably the biggest and most, the uh, important determining factor were the real housewives of that H-E-B, the ladies that uh, frequented the H-E-B. Mm-hmm. Oh, if sometimes I'm, the real housewives, I, sometimes a real co-ed. That's why I like that Hancock Center. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hancock Center H-E-B. No, no, you got to go the Mueller. You got to go the Mueller one. Mueller one better than Hancock Center well, with the co-eds? I mean, those are. I feel like those are younger. Even I can. Even I can tell when girls Hancock are college Center. girls now. The Mueller one is like girls my age. They're oh, young, young, young professionals. professionals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, young. It's like West Six and Dirty Six. Huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. A great, great <laughs> analogy. Hancock and Mueller's a lot of people who have bought a house or renting, and they're working, and they got their first or second job. Yeah, Hancock Center still a lot of students. This is kids. That's this still is a lot co-eds, of students, man. Still a lot of students. Yeah. yeah. All right. Good stuff. Well, let's get to some other good stuff, and that'll be behind the burn orange curtain with RB. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right. For those who have not been keeping up with what happened last night with the Texas basketball team, first you got to know they lost. Um, and that loss to UCF uh, represented one of the probably most, one of the most embarrassing losses of the season. They had a 16-point lead in the first half, ended up blowing that lead. Um, they actually blew a double-digit lead in the second half, too. But now they've lost three of their last four, two straight losses. And this loss is the, is the first time in Texas basketball history they've ever dropped their first two home Big 12 games to unranked opponents. Never happened before. Um, so the Texas team's got a lot of issues. Well, one of the issues that came to uh, the forefront, which we didn't think would be an issue, uh, was the horns down in the handshake line after UCF beat Texas. Uh, a couple of the guys from UCF, a couple of the players, went through the handshake line doing the horns down. This upset Rodney Terry. Didn't see any players really react to it, but it did upset Rodney Terry. And Rodney Terry had a few choice words for the players uh, that were during the horns down in the UCF uh, handshake line. And he just basically said, it's not classy. You know, you don't win that way. That's not the way you should conduct yourself. Uh, then the, the post game, he reiterated that. And as you talked about Coach Dawkins from uh, UCF, he also said he didn't see it because I think his back was turned to it at the time. He said that he also would take the necessary uh, take the necessary action or discipline his players if he found out that they were doing something so disrespectful. Um, Longhorn fans, I think, have a different perspective on this, and their perspective is simple. 
if you don't lose, you don't have to worry about being insulted by the horns down. The horns down is only an insult when you lose. And I've been on the record for saying this for years. The horns down is the greatest form of free media in college sports today. Nothing's even close to it. Nobody in the country has a hand symbol that immediately when it's thrown on or even being disrespected or disparaged when they're doing your horns down, that people still know exactly what that symbol and what program that symbol represents. No other program in the country has that type of free media. And now it's become so prominent that teams will use it even when they're not playing Texas. It's basically the, the college football's version of the middle finger. And with that being said, Texas fans, and I said this, you're going to see it more and more this now I'm saying the next two years, you're going to see it more than you ever have because on your way out of the Big 12, teams are going to throw up the horns down because they hate you more than ever. And then your way into the SEC, that's the most passionate fan base of sports fans in the country. So, of course, they're going to throw out the horns down whenever they get a chance. So you shouldn't let it bother you. As a matter of fact, you should see it as a compliment um, unless you're losing. Because when you lose, that's when teams are going to mock you with the horns down. But when they lose, very Few times have I seen an opposing team, if any, an opposing team lose to Texas and then throw the horns down when they lose to Texas. They don't do it because yeah. they lose. It makes them look like more of a loser. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was and it was and and you know Rodney Terry, whether he was out of line or not. I mean, I understand what he was doing. He, I get it. And, and you know, his cut. We'll play his sound one more time, but. You know, but the bigger issue for me is this is not a very good basketball team. And, Period. And I think as we have the more sample size we get, the more that's obvious. They beat up on a lot of bad teams in non-conference. But to start the conference with four games against unranked teams, Texas Tech is now ranked, but they were 25th after the last night lost at Houston. So barely ranked. I mean, you lost your – the first four games were supposed to be your cushion to start a brutal Big 12, and you've yeah. gone one and three. You're a runway. Yeah, and it's you know I mean we know what Rodney Terry did last year. There's no doubt about it. What he did once Chris Beard's situation happened, he did a good job as you could possibly do to keep that team together uh, and make a run almost to the Final Four, the Elite Eight. It was a Big Twelve champ, Big Twelve tournament champions. Got hot at the right time, and and you know as I'll say, I mean you 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 we well, said it at the time. You had to give him a, 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 an extension. He had done mm. too good of a job. But this was going to be the challenge: is how does he rebuild the roster? Because the roster needed rebuilt. And there was he got some good fortune, don't forget, Rod, with the return of Dylan DeSue, who could have gone elsewhere, was thinking about moving off to professionals. Same with uh, Tyrese Hunter and same with Dylan Mitchell. They all three came back. And then the, the, the roster construction around that, along with Brock Cunningham, was going to determine this team. They're just, they seem like a flawed roster, Rod. Yep. And this is the quote that really is concerning for me. Because, uh, again, they were up 13. They, it wasn't like they were terrible last night. They were in a good place. Uh, they were, you know, going to cruise to a victory in a game that they had to have. And then they kind of went to went to sleep a little bit. And Central Florida ratcheted up their intensity, started forcing turnovers, got some breakaway dunks, mm-hmm. and the next thing you know, you lose this game. But there didn't seem to be any fight back when Texas started losing the lead. That was the concerning part, a real concerning. Among, and here's Dylan DeSue in the postgame when asked what's wrong. He said, I don't think there's anything wrong with us per se. We just need to figure out how to play as hard as we possibly can for 40 straight minutes. Once we do that, we'll have some more success. Hmm. Ooh. Yeah. Well, you haven't figured that out in January, January the 18th or 19th? And hoping to figure it out against the best competition and the fiercest competition in all the college basketball. Yeah. And then and they do. They go into these long lulls for stretches. And it's not just they go scoreless. Chris Beard teams. Because, look, let's remember, this is kind of like Chris Beard's first year where it's a totally new roster playing together for the first time. Um, so there's a chemistry part. 
but and Chris Beard's first year with Marcus Carr and those guys, they they would go in long scoring droughts and they yeah. were inconsistent. And they were frustrating, but they played hard the whole time. They always played defense. Um, you know, the, the, they'd become these ugly rock fight kind of games. But at the same time, Chris Beard's program was built on the the defensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. Rodney wants to be a little more open now. Rodney's always been a coach. Terry's always been a defensive guy, but it's a different way to go about it. And right now, this team doesn't play good defense. They can't get stops when they need them, and they don't play hard for 40 minutes. And they're sloppy. It's a lot of problems. So they're better on offense in year one than Chris Beard's team was. But they're lesser on defense. And they don't care, take care of the basketball as well. So because you have to give – because Chris Beard, that, that first year was frustrating because it was a new roster and they made the tournament. But I think they were like 18 and – got to go back and look at the record. They made the tournament. Uh, they actually won a tournament game, if you remember. Or oh, did yeah. They? Or did they? Oh, and that, and that set the table for last year when they all came back, for the, for the most part. And they added some freshmen, and so all of a sudden Dylan Mitchell came in, and they made the run. Now, they made it without Chris Beard, we know, because of those circumstances. And Rodney Terry helped build that team. He was quick to tell anybody that I, was, I recruited most of that roster. But the, the identification of the players to recruit, you've got to give some credit to Chris Beard on that. What yeah, type of player are we looking for? Yeah. And who do we want to go after? Fit, in this, his, fit his scheme. Yeah, and fit the scheme we're going to have. So, yeah, I mean, again, and people ready to fire Rodney Terry, that's crazy. It's, it's year one with a brand-new roster in a really tough conference, and there are issues. But um, so far, not so good for Texas. And what's your take on him going after the players for doing the horns down? I mean, as a coach and a leader – because there's those I, saying it's a bad look for him. It, it's the optics of it are bad because they, you lost the game <laughs> in the manner in which you lost. Um, I think ultimately, you know, you don't want a confrontation from your players. But I bet something deep down in Rodney Terry wanted his players to be hurt by that too. He wanted their pride to be hurt by that. That's a fair point. And, you know, none, none of those guys really seemed hurt by it. Not that they weren't hurt by the way they played or humiliated by it and embarrassed by it, and they weren't hurt by the team in their house during the horns down. And it kind of reminds me of the Bo Davis video. Everybody talks about the Bo Davis video being a turning point for the Texas culture and football. Uh, but I think ultimately the tragedy of the Bo Davis video that it should have been a player. That it should have been a player who had the, uh, the, respect, uh, the respect of his teammates and wanted to hold everybody accountable to a higher standard. And it wasn't. Nobody cared enough on that bus after being embarrassed and humiliated by Iowa State. Nobody cared enough but Bo Davis. He's like, guys, am I the only one who gives up around here? What is happening? Yeah, I just got here. Go. I just got here. I didn't, I, go more, I didn't go to this school. And I think for Rodney Terry, maybe there's a little bit of that. Like, hey, guys. Uh, I saw it in real time, so, and yeah. I thought the same thing. I was like, he wants his players to be mad about Come this. Come on, son. You know, I want you to get in a fight, but I want you to be offended by Yeah. Have pride. Well, let's hear one more time Rodney Terry on the uh, – the audio after asked about uh, by the local media about uh, his reaction to get into the player's face, and he had this to say. Big believer in, uh, you know, you win the right way, you lose the right way. And, you know, I always tell my guys, you know, um, whether you win or lose, you win the right way. You lose the right way. You carry yourself the right way. You don't go through the handshake line. I'm proud of getting to the handshake line and have about six or seven guys putting the horns down. We don't do that. You know, because when you do those kind of things, it looks very classless, and it also looks like you were just hoping to win. We never go into games trying to hope to win. We go into games expecting to win. So we don't act like that. You know, we expect to win. We don't jump up and down act like we won a national championship. We sure don't step on anyone's home court deal and act crazy and try to show them up in any way. We don't do that. You know, so that's what I was angry about, and I was letting those guys know you don't do that. You know, you guys won. Hey, we shake, you know, shake your hand, tip my hat to you.
but we're not going to let you act that way in our building. You're not going to do that. You're not going to put your horns down and do all that nonsense. All right, there's Rodney Terry. He is, yeah. All right, your thoughts. We'll take them. Uh, we'll get a quick timeout. We come back. It'll be what's popping into a Thursday night. We'll have a look and get your thoughts on uh, Rodney Terry right there after a disappointing loss. And I think you're right on, Rod, that he wanted his players to be a little more upset about it. But got a bunch of newcomers just, just getting acclimated yeah. here. And, uh, you know, maybe that'll light a fire under this team. They play Baylor 11 o'clock on Saturday. We'll come back. Hook them up with Ian Rodby. Join the conversation on the new Horn text line, 512-447-3776. That's 512-447-3776. What's poppin'? Who you Brand new whip, just hopped in. I got options. I can pass it like stockin'. Just joshin'. I'm spending this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. Sports in the top ten. I can put the ball in the end zone, put a bad in the friend zone. All right, a lot of uh, reaction coming in on what's popping. Our final segment to wrap up uh, the fabulous fifth hour on a Thursday edition. This is, guys, I played at Texas for three and a half years in the 70s. But I'd like to say is with all these transfers, they don't have the knowledge about what horns up or down means. Like, that's fair. I mean, uh, I think they do, but do they have the, the visceral passion about it? That's a fair question. I'm not going to challenge these guys as far as how much they love the University of Texas, but it is the day and age of college athletics where a lot of these guys just got here, brand new to the school, learning the school, and uh, also some guys who have been here a little while who, who tested the NBA waters and wanted to see what was out there and you know, were told to go back. And So, look, this doesn't look like a team that's playing with a lot of energy. And you were there last night, Ty. You saw it. I watched it, and I've seen it a few times. The game that really gave me confidence was the Cincinnati game that they won uh, with uh, Max Aceman scoring 32 and – that was a hostile environment at Cincinnati where, uh, you know, that was their first ever conference Big 12 game, and they were in it to win it. And Cincinnati's gone on to show a pretty dang good team. Uh, but, you know, that was where you saw some energy from Texas. You just don't see it consistently enough. And then Dylan D'Souza's quote about we've got to learn to play 40 minutes, um, you know, that's, that's, that's still a problem because it's, it's mid-January now. Yeah, no, so, I, I don't think this team has – a much promise unless they seriously turn things around here when, like you said, this is probably not the yeah, stretch I mean, that you want to be doing that in. Yes, next six are tough because uh, it can – I mean, look, I mean, optimistically, based on what you've seen, to have these next six, how many can they win? Because three of them are on the road, three are at home, including Baylor. You lose the Baylor game at home uh, on the Saturday where you're an 11 o'clock tip against the ninth-ranked team in the country. You lose that game, you're one and four in the conference. And, you know, those next five games, three are away. Uh, only two are at home, and you haven't shown the ability to win at home yet. You're 0-2 at home. So this becomes a real problem. They don't look like um, a tournament team right now. they got a lot of work to do. They still have good players. I mean, that's the one thing you say when you watch them. Dylan DeSue's a bucket. I mean, Max Aismas can score. Uh, Tyrese Hunter can get hot. They've got players, but they've got to play as a team, and they've got to play with more energy, and they've got to play better on defense. It says, look like this team doesn't have the alpha players like uh, Jabari Rice, um, you know, Marcus Carr, uh, Timmy, Allen. Allen. Timmy, Timmy Allen, Allen and Jabari Rice were in the house last night. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think, okay, this goes to roster construction, too. This is a different type, type of team. You know, there's no doubt Chris Beard wanted players that, that were tough guys, that uh, were hard-nosed. Uh, you know, not to say, again, I'm not questioning toughness. I'm just talking about the type of player you look for, type of traits you're looking for. Uh, Max Aismas is a heck of a nice kid, and he can score the basketball, but he's not very good on defense. And he's always, I mean, last night when uh, – Central Florida was looking for buckets in the late stages. They would go right at him because uh, he's, a, he's a premium scorer, but he's a, not a premium defender. So you attack that in clutch situations. And, you know, Chris's beard, Chris Beard's philosophy was always, you know, I'd rather have the defense and the tenacity over the scoring. 
And that, so people had to put up with Marcus Carr's cold shooting nights and, you know, Christian Bishop and uh, these guys that weren't great offensive players, but they were great defensive players and intense defensive players. Um, you know, Timmy Allen, uh, same kind of thing, right? It just he, he, He's kind of under an undersized forward, but he would get his points, but then against good teams it would struggle, but he'd always play hard on defense. And Jabari Rice, that was a, he was a one-year player, and what a – what a get he was. I mean, Jabari Rice was the, the critical component to last year's team that made it all the way to the Elite Eight. That doesn't happen without him last year. He was such a clutch player. He was the ball. He's the guy you could go to in a clutch situation because he was really good on both ends of the floor. He was a defense, but he was also instant offense on a team that, that needed some of that. Uh, this year, seems like a lot of offense, but not as much defense as you need right now. And they do play a little bit soft. They don't play up-in-your-face defense. They don't uh, – protect the rim very well, even though they have guys that seem to be – they should be rim protectors. And I think to Ty's point and to uh, Rod's point, you know, I think that was part – Rodney Terry's reaction to the horns down was as much about his team as what he was seeing. I believe that. He was really frustrated with the last 10 minutes. They had a game in hand that they let get away because they didn't play as intense as their opponent. And they let the opponent come into their building and take it away from them. And then they were flaunting it. And so, yes, that's going to fire you up. But to Rod's point, maybe he wanted some of the players to be a little more fired up about that and disappointing in what just happened. It was almost resigned, which doesn't show you a team that's ready to come fight for the next six games. If they don't, they'll be at the bottom of the Big 12 in a big way. Because, you know, even if you go 3-3 three and three over the next six tie and you're Texas, you're going to be, you know, 4-7 and seven in the Big 12 at that point. If you lose three more, I mean, you're 1-3. One and, one and, well, you're, you're going to be, you know, 4-6. and six. If you go three and three in these games, um, which is better, because if you go under 500, you're in real trouble, and you'll be, you know, fighting to stay out of the basement of the tournament or of the uh, of the conference. All right, this says Mitchell's been a disappointment with the same Shedrick. Yeah, look at me, Mitchell, still trying to figure out what he is. I know he's been told by the NBA what he needs to work on, but at the same time, maybe that doesn't fit what they're needing from him right now. That's it's a it's a it's a disjointed team right now, without a doubt. Hey, Ty, good stuff, my friend. As always, every hour will be podcast at hornfm.com. We'll do this again tomorrow at 6 a.m. We're really going to drill in on to the divisional playoff games, the matchups, how, Tex- how the Texans can make it a game, maybe beat the Ravens in Baltimore. What about the, the uh, Packers and 49ers? What about the Bills and Chiefs? What about uh, Lions and Buccaneers? We'll get to all of it, plus more on the Cowboys. I think Mike McCarthy's having a press conference today to talk about his side of the uh, retention situation. We'll get to all that. Coming next is Jim Rome, then it's Rich Eisen, then it's the Sports Complex on a busy Thursday. Thanks to everybody who was a part of it, everybody that weighed in. Have a wonderful Thursday. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby.